morning and welcome to the 510th episode of Travelitz Radio. I'm your host, Dan Schlossberg, along with co-host Mary Ellen Nugent-Lee, and we are in the 12th season of Travelitz Radio, the show that lets you enjoy the pleasure of travel from the comfort of your armchair. Every week at this time, we talk to people representing destinations, hotels, airlines, railroads, car rental companies, and others in the world of travel and hospitality from authors and bloggers to broadcasters and publicists. If it's got anything to do with travel, it's got everything to do with Travelage Radio. And tonight, our special guest is Corey O'Born from Visit Seattle. Welcome, Corey, to Travelage Radio. Thanks so much, Dan. I'm so excited to chat about the Emerald City with you. And with Seattle about to host the 93rd Baseball All-Star Game, we proudly present Corey O'Born, I've already said that, and to me, when I think of Seattle, I think of Puget Sound, the Space Needle, Mount Rainier, Pike Place Market, Starbucks, and Frazier. I know it's a great place for both spectator and participation sports as well. The All-Star Game on July 11th is the first of three major national sports events Seattle is hosting. We understand T-Mobile Park's grass will be covered in ice for the 2024 NHL Winter Classic and the 2026 FIFA World Cup. It's rapidly approaching. Would you say this cements Seattle's role as a global sports destination? I would, Dan. Uh, in March of this year, we were a host city for the NCAA Division I Women's Basketball Tournament, and we're about to welcome the Major League Baseball to Timo Park starting next Friday for the MLB All-Star Game. Later this year, the ballpark's field will be transformed into a new ice rink where the Seattle Kraken, who just wrapped up their second season as a franchise, will take on the 2023 Stanley Cup Championship, the Vegas Golden Knights, on New Year's Day. Looking even further ahead, we're going to host the, double, the NCAA uh, Division I men's basketball game here in March 2025, following a number of FIFA World Cup matches in 2026 at Lumen Field. And then aside from that, Seattle is just a fantastic destination for sports fans year-round. Lumen Field, T-Mobile Park, and Climate Pledge Arena are all located within walking distance or a quick monorail ride, to our core downtown hotels, which is very convenient. We're also particularly proud of the support for our women's sports team, the OL Reign of the National Women's Soccer League, and the Seattle Storm, the Women's National Basketball Association. So overall, our sporting culture is built on passionate fans and our community partners. The last time I was in town, Corey, I loved riding the streetcar along the waterfront and jumping off the sample clam chowder and sourdough bread bowl. I know that that streetcar is gone, but at Travel Witch Radio, we love trains, trolleys, and streetcars. So tell us all about your light rail system. I understand it's pretty extensive. Yeah, we have a really great transportation system here. It's a really easy city to get around. So if you're flying in, you can actually hop on the light rail from the airport station. It'll take you directly to downtown. And you can stop along the way at T-Mobile Park, which is the host of Seattle Mariners, or the China International District for a great eat, Capitol Hill for some quirky shops, bars, and restaurants. And then, of course, there's an easy stop from Pike Place Market. To make maximum mileage out of minimal time, what bus and boat highlight tours would you recommend? I know visitors want to photograph the Space Needle on Mount Rainier for starters. Yep, those are absolutely easy goals to hit. Both Mount Rainier and the Space Needle are visible from almost all around the city, especially if the weather is clear. But if you want to get the best views, I recommend taking an Argosy Harbor cruise through Elliott Bay, which will give you beautiful views of the city and the waterfront. We do have a hop-on, hop-off tour, but Seattle is such a walkable city that you really can't go wrong no matter how you decide to approach it. 
I was surprised to see that Seattle, like San Francisco, is a city of hills and neighborhoods. Would you talk about those a little, please? Uh, sure. Uh, you know, Seattle's charm is our unique neighborhoods, including all of those beautiful hills. Um, luckily, all those areas are still pretty accessible and easy to explore once you get up to the top of the hill. Capitol Hill, Ballard, and Queen Anne are a few that are really beautiful, and I recommend checking them out. We're talking with Corey O'Born of Visit Seattle. Mary Ellen? Corey, the Seattle Mariners and Visit Seattle have worked tirelessly to put Seattle's stamp on All-Star Week. Could you give us the highlights? Sure thing. So we have a partner, Intentionalist, that we are collaborated with uh, to highlight BIPOC, LGBTQ+, and women-owned businesses that make our city so vibrant and special. So these businesses will be showcased along the Green Path, which is a walking and biking corridor designed by Major League Baseball and the Mariners that will allow people to travel easily and sustainably from downtown and the waterfront to T-Mobile Park and Lumen Field for the All-Star Week events. We also have partnered with a number of community organizations and venues to host several activations throughout the city. Together with Seattle Center, Seattle Center Monorail, and the Climate Pledge Arena, we work with muralist Brady Black on a community art project that will feature portraits of MLB stars of the game and Seattle sports fans. That's mounted on the monorail's guideway column. Brady hosted a number of painting sessions that even allowed locals to help create these murals. And our friends at the Downtown Seattle Association are helping launch a pop-up roller skating rink at Occidental Square during All-Star Week. So that'll be super fun. And tell us about Pike Place Market, where the All-Star Red Carpet will take place. We understand it's one of the oldest continuously operated farmer's market in the U.S. That's right. It's also a lot bigger than you'd think. There are 10 levels spread across nine whole acres, and there's outdoor areas, indoor areas, upper levels, lower levels. You can buy fresh seafood, produce, flowers, handmade jewelry, and souvenirs. But make sure you check out the lower levels, too, because there's lots of cool shops down there and hidden gems. So my personal recommendation is to start with a pastry from Proshki Proshki and then wind your mm. way down from there. I love that name. And I hope the food is just <laughs> as good as you say. Speaking of food, T-Mobile Park has some of the best concessions of any U.S. baseball stadium. In fact, Thrillist says it has the best. What are some of Seattle's diverse culinary offerings that are served there? Yeah, we're super proud of how many local Seattle restaurants are represented at T-Mobile Park. There's everything from Hawaiian pork sliders and macaroni salad at Marination to pillow soft bao buns from Din Tai Fung. If you want a more Seattle classic bite, you can grab fish and chips from Ivers or get a sweet tooth treat with a scoop of ice cream from Salt and Straw. So the options are way better than your normal hot dog and Cracker Jacks, but you can still get those. Well, I love hot dogs and Cracker Jacks, so I will definitely be after <laughs> that. With more than 100,000 people expected in town for all-star festivities, your restaurants and night spots are going to be busy. What are some of the landmark eateries, and especially the historic ones, that visitors should try? Well, if you don't try it at T-Mobile Park, you have to stop at Ivers. That's so delicious. There's a couple of locations around Seattle, but they're just the best fish and chips. Another historic spot is Dick's Drive-In, which opened in 1954, and it hasn't changed much since then. Really good hamburgers. But there's also some new restaurants that have recently opened, like Alder and Ash, which is kind of a swanky bar and restaurant. Um, and that just opened this month, and they have incredible bacon oyster dip. This year marks the third time the Mariners are going to host a Midsummer Classic. When and where were the others? So the Mariners previously hosted the MLB All-Star Game in 1979 at the Kingdom, and again in 2001 at Safeco Field, which is now known as T-Mobile Park. 
Now, you're striving to make Seattle's All-Star Week the most inclusive and accessible ever, and uh, the Green Path is only part of that. So could you explain? Absolutely. So it's just one facet of our mission to make sure that everybody gets to enjoy All-Star Week. Um, The Intentionalist is part of that, is bringing in those fantastic visitors to showcase the diverse array of businesses we have. Uh, But we also have other events, like I said, Occidental Park, and some that are still even to be announced, so that if you don't have tickets to the big events, you know, the MLB-produced events like All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby, we want to make sure everybody still has an opportunity to enjoy the magical week of baseball regardless. Hmm. So regardless of their budget, the size of their family, or the mobility needs, everybody can take part. Now, I understand, Corey, that baseball history also can be found at Steelhead's Alley, a venue that celebrates Seattle's old Negro League baseball team. And don't they serve beer crafted by one of the country's few black-owned breweries, too? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, Rodney Hines owns Seattle's Metier Brewing Company, and that's among less than 1% of craft breweries in America that are black-owned. So we're really proud of that, too. Hmm. And isn't Mariners legend Ken Griffey Jr. hosting the first-ever historically black colleges and universities Swingman Classic to kick off this year's festivities? Tell us what that is and when it is. Yeah, we couldn't be happier to be the host of the first-ever HBCU Swingman Classic in Seattle. This event's helmed in a large part by Kenny Griffith Jr., and I'll showcase 50 standout players from historically black colleges and universities during a game at T-Mobile Park. This is the lead-off event for the All-Star Week on July 7th, and it's the perfect opportunity for families to enjoy some baseball without breaking the bank. Tickets are only $10, and the game will be followed by a fireworks display. Ooh, we're talking with Corey O'Born of Visit Seattle. Corey, Seattle has a, has a lot of dynamic downtown hotels, including some with easy access to the stadium. So tell us what's old, what's new, and what's unusual, like houseboats, for example. And what properties have earned high marks from travelers to Seattle? Well, for those who want to stay close to the MLB action, Citizen M Seattle Pioneer Square Hotel is a great option. There's European-style rooms that are fairly small but high-tech and a lot of gorgeous art in the decor. One of the newest hotels in the area is the Lotte Seattle, which is a luxury property with incredible high-rise views of the city. And then for a more classic uh, architecture vibe, the Arctic Club Hotel is a historic, recently restored hotel. If you'd like the convenience of staying downtown but you are curious about those houseboats, don't forget you can always jump on a Lake Union tour, and you can see a lot of examples of those. History lives at Pioneer Square, home of great dining and nightlife. Isn't that historic district famous for its Victorian Romanesque architecture, museums, art galleries, and charming bistros and cafes? Yep. Pioneer Square is actually Seattle's original downtown area dating back to 1852, but it was the center of the Great Seattle Fire of 1889, and after that it was rebuilt with brick and stone. So now it's one of the nation's best surviving collections of Romanesque revival-style urban architecture. It's also historic and a trendy area today, full of art galleries, restaurants, and charming parks. And since we love to talk history in this show, what are some of Seattle's old town sites below street level on Bill Spidell's underground tour. Oh, Stan, it's such a cool tour. It's a must-do for Seattle. You, you get to explore these subterranean passages that were once the main roads and the first-floor storefronts of old downtown Seattle, including an 1890s saloon. And the whole thing provides a very immersive look into the history of the city and how it was rebuilt after that great fire. 
but I don't want to spoil the rest. You're just going to have to experience it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you're listening to Travel Itch Radio with Van Schlossberg and Mary Ellen Nugent-Lee. Listen to us on iTunes or blogtalkradio.com or check out the archive show anytime on Facebook. And we're talking tonight with Corey O'Born of Visit Seattle. Corey, you'll be showcasing some of Seattle's natural backdrops during the events surrounding the All-Star Game. What are some of the activities that visitors can do against the backdrop of the Olympic and Cascade Mountain Ranges? Well, we have the unique privilege here of being located only a few hours from three national parks. We have Mount Rainier, the North Cascades, and Olympic National Park. So the city is a fantastic home base and a gateway to exploring those if you want to get out into nature. But a lot of people do like to stay closer to the city if they're just here for a short amount of time. So you can still enjoy those mountains as a backdrop for most of what you do. And if you want to get in a little nature without leaving the city, we have a lot of parks like Discovery Park, which has 534 acres of natural areas to explore. Hmm. There's more non-baseball fun that fans can enjoy while in town, too. Tell us about the Elliott Bay Harbor Cruises and float plane tours, for example. Yeah, if you have the time, I really recommend going on a whale watching tour with the Puget Sound Express. You're almost always guaranteed to see whales, and the dish called the blueberry buckle is served on board, and it's like a blueberry cake. It's delicious. Uh, But if you'd rather get a bird's eye view of the city and the waterfront, the Friday Harbor Sea Plains offers tours around the area, and that's a really unique Seattle experience. Now, the legacy of the 1962 Seattle World's Fair lives on at Seattle Center, an urban park that's home to the iconic Space Needle and the Chihuly Garden and Glass. Tell us about those and some of the other attractions there. Well, Seattle Center is another must-do. The Space Needle was originally built for the 1962 World's Fair, like you said, and that mid-century charm really lives on, but the structure has had some modern upgrades, including the world's first and only revolving glass floor. That's another Mm. great place to see Mount Rainier and other parks nearby. And then next door to that is Chihuly Garden and Glass, which showcases the world-renowned glass artworks of Dale Chihuly. And then also at Seattle Center is the Museum of Pop Culture, which is a super fun attraction for fans of music and movies. Gold Rush National Historic Park (laughs) interprets Seattle's critical role in the gold rush of 1897. While the hunt for gold has subsided, what can guests learn about this exciting time in Seattle's history? Seattle was primarily a lumber town before the gold rush of 1897, when the port became a gateway and provider of supplies to thousands of hopeful gold miners heading into the Yukon. Of the 100,000 people who headed north into the gold fields, about 70,000 of them came through Seattle to buy their ton of goods. The city prospered from that torrent of people and money funneling through Seattle, which dramatically transformed the city during a really short span of time. So by the 1900s, Seattle's population nearly doubled to 80,000. So you could say the gold rush really put us on the map. We're talking tonight with Corey O'Born of Visit Seattle. Corey, there's much to discover in the Seattle Waterfront District. There's a Seattle Great Wheel with gondolas and dazzling light displays for one, as well as Wings Over Washington, a state-of-the-art flying ride. What can visitors see there? The waterfront's definitely bursting with attractions, including, as you said, the beautiful views from the Seattle Great Wheel and the super-immersive VR flight on Wings Over Washington. That ride allows you to experience the sights and smells from across the state, including seaside cliffs of Olympic National Forest and Mount Rainier, 
plus the awe-inspiring Snoqualmie Falls and several other stunning Washington locations before it returns you back to Elliott Bay. How many hotel rooms does Seattle have, and what's on the horizon, Corey? And isn't there a waterfront hotel so close to Puget Sound that guests can fish out their windows, or is that no longer allowed? <laughs> well, downtown Seattle currently has over 15,000 hotel rooms, but new hotels are in the works, too, like the Hotel Westland, set to open in Pioneer Square next year. That's going to take over a historic 1907 building, and it's going to be environmentally conscious with 120 rooms. It's also going to include a restaurant, a coffee bar, meeting spaces, and an open-air rooftop bar. And, yes, the Edgewater Hotel is right on the waterfront, and it's famous for once hosting the Beatles, who were photographed fishing out of their hotel window, which guests used to be able to do. But don't expect to do so these days. For safety, they don't allow you to anymore. And I know that if I did, I would probably get caught on somebody else's hook. (laughs) We understand that Bruce Lee spent several years living in Seattle, and the Wing Loop Museum is the only museum outside of Hong Kong to present an exhibition about his experiences. In addition, doesn't the museum also offer guided tours through Seattle's Chinatown International District? What are some of the sites on that tour? I believe San Francisco also has an exhibition honoring Bruce Lee's life, but the Wing Loop Museum is the only pan-Asian art and history museum in the United States, which we're very proud of. And they do offer many different tours in the surrounding Chinatown International District. But each one is different. There's a bunch of different kinds. Some focus on the Japanese-American experience and internment camps during World War II, while others highlight Bruce Lee's old stomping grounds in the area and cover a a variety of delicious restaurants and cafes on a walking food tour. There's a lot of hidden gems in that area. Is there anything we haven't asked that you'd like to add? I'm sure there's quite a bit. Absolutely. I'd really love to tell you briefly about one of the most prominent events coming up. We have this festival called Refract, the Seattle Glass Experience, and that's coming October 12th through the 15th. This is the fifth anniversary of that festival, and it's going to be bigger than ever, with new exhibitions, extravagant galas, rare studio tours, live demonstrations, and the unique opportunity to engage with a new generation of local glass artists of varying backgrounds, all showcasing why Seattle is recognized as the nation's largest hub of glass art. You can find out more at refract.org. Okay, a couple of things I wanted to ask you. I know there's a a great Mm -hmm. butterfly exhibit in Seattle. Can you talk about that? Yes. uh, At the the Science Center, the uh, Pacific Science Center has an incredible butterfly garden there, and it's really great for families. So you should definitely check that out if you have little kids. They love it. Okay, and I know that you have a personal favorite that's a science fiction exhibit. What was that all about? Yeah, at MOPOP, the Museum of Pop Culture. Uh, So each section has different focuses. Some are on fantasy, sci-fi, horror movies, um, music. And my personal favorite is the sci-fi exhibit. It's just very futuristic. There's lots of cool references to movies like Star Wars and Star Trek and and lots of other incredible films. And you get to see lots of props um, and real things that were used in these films. That's really cool. And I know the Frasier TV show is coming back with Kelsey Grammer, and he's going to reprise his Mm -hmm. old role as Frasier Crane. Does that help Seattle generate tourism? You know, the the generation of people that are currently traveling, I don't know if all of them are as familiar with Frasier. I grew up watching it with my parents, but um, I think we'll have to see how that revival goes. You know, it's possible that people might, really want to come back and, and check out, you know, these touch points where Frasier goes for coffee or, you know, what have you. 
Um, but he's definitely one of the most iconic characters um, related to the city. And on the underground walking tour, they do point out a few of the locations that inspired the show. So you should check that out. Can you talk about some of the other famous people who came from Seattle? Well, we have a lot of artists, um, musical artists. So um, Dave Grohl, who you might know from the Foo Fighters and then originally from Nirvana, um, has a very you know long history here. Um, and, of course, because of that, you, connecting back to Nirvana, um, you know, the whole band started here. So that's a very famous uh, historical aspect. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, there are a couple of uh, more modern actors and actresses who've started here. Uh, I don't know if, if you've heard of the Netflix movie To All the Boys I've Loved Before, but the main actress from that film is from here. Um, and there's probably tons more that I'm, I'm not thinking of right now, but we have a good amount of people who have made it big from Seattle. And we have to mention the movie Sleepless in Seattle with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. That was a huge hit yeah. internationally. I'm sure that helped tourism quite a bit. Yeah, and funny you should mention that because it's actually the official 30th anniversary of that film uh, this month. And um, I don't know if you, if you saw on the news, but uh, we've partnered with the Empire State Building and the Space Needle and Alaska Airlines to launch a trip giveaway in honor of that anniversary. Uh, so the trip winner gets uh, a coast-to-coast um, vacation, so three nights in Seattle and three in New York, to kind of embark on their own rom-com and, and relive the moments of the film. So if you want to check that out, um, you can go to sleepless30.com and enter to win that giveaway. Well, if I get to meet Meg Ryan, I'll definitely do it. <laughs> I don't think that's part of the giveaway, but uh, you can at least walk in her footsteps throughout all those places. Okay, so we have to talk some good news and some bad news. The good news is Seattle has got to be the number one coffee city in the United States. I know it's the home of Starbucks. <laughs> it was started there. And I love Seattle's yep. best coffee, too. So talk mm-hmm. about all the coffee houses. You know, it's, it's funny. You'd think because Starbucks started here, there would be, like, just covered in Starbucks locations. But there's actually a, a lot of small locally owned coffee shops. Um, that have continued to stay really popular and rounded out that coffee culture. Um, and they all have different um, vibes, aesthetics. They have you know, different takes on what makes the perfect cup of coffee. Some of them bring in um, a different cultural influence. Um, Buna, uh, Boon Buna Coffee um, was started by a guy who came from Ethiopia and found that he couldn't get the kind of coffee that he was used to getting, which was like a, a green coffee. And so he started importing that just so that he could enjoy it. And then he had a bunch of family and friends who were like, hey, can I get added to your order? And that turned into a whole business. And now he has his own um, coffee shop and sells coffee. And it's some of the best coffee in Seattle. So, you know, little uh, shops like that are still sprinkled throughout the city. And if you're a coffee lover, you really can't go wrong just making a day of going around and, and sampling these different styles of coffee from these different spots. And it's a good way to see the city as well. Okay, now the bad news, but it's actually in quotes. It's just a fact of life. (laughs) There are five active volcanoes south of Uh Seattle, one of them being Mount Rainier. Uh, We all know that Mount St. Helens erupted in 1980. Is Mm -hmm. it 
does it attract people to know that there are these volcanoes that they can see, or are they wary of them? You know, it's funny. When I before I lived in Seattle, I used to think, oh, I would never live close to a volcano because I, you know, was nervous about it. But um, I read up a, a bunch on it before I moved here, and most of these active volcanoes, it's really hard to gauge how close they are to erupting because they can only give like an estimation on, oh, it's been, you know, a thousand years since this volcano erupted. So it's probably due, but that could mean it could happen anytime from tomorrow to 500 years from now. You know, it's, it's a really big window. So there's not a lot of urgency or or concern. Um, There are volcano evacuation routes throughout the state um, that it's, you know, nice to know that there's, that's been planned out already, but largely these these beautiful mountains, these volcanoes, um, attract people because they're so majestic, and the areas around them are perfect for hiking. A lot of them are national parks. Um, you know, Yellowstone is another national park with a massive volcano underneath it, and that has an incredible amount of tourism um, every year. So I really don't think it deters anybody. And Mount Rainier, the original minor league team that, that was stationed in Seattle was called the Seattle Rainiers. So, mm-hmm. you know, they named the ball that's team cool. after the mountain. So that's pretty good, I guess. And yeah. I know that it's often covered by clouds and hard to see. But on days when the sun breaks, it's spectacular. I've seen it. It's just gorgeous. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, right now, especially during the All-Star Game, this is the peak time to visit Seattle. The weather is unparalleled. I mean, the highs in the 70s, maybe, and then in the you know the cooler moments in the night are in like the the 50s and 60s. So it's just blissful, and you get these gorgeous, clear days when the mountain it, it's larger than life. You know, you you turn a corner and it's just behind all of the buildings, and it's like wow. Every single time I see it, it's a wow moment. So where did you live before? Well, I used to live in Orlando. I worked for Visit Orlando for eight years. And um, then my friends and I went on a a trip together out here to Seattle just for a vacation. And we absolutely fell in love with it. And so we decided, hey, instead of, you know, it can be really intimidating to move across the country when you don't know anybody. But we thought if we all tried to move around the same time, we'd have our own little community built in. So um, I moved. I, I saw this job posting for Visit Seattle about a year ago. And ended up working out perfectly, so I was the first to move, and the rest of my friends made it out this summer. That's great. One last question before we wrap it up. I'm sure Seattle mm-hmm. has won many awards. Could you talk about some of them? Oh, goodness. I'm not sure if I know off the top of my head. Um, I know well, that... Probably, I'm thinking sustainability we, because it's so green. Yes, we, we definitely have um, a huge sustainability um, drive here in Seattle. It's a very green city, and tourists can find lots of ways to be greener when they travel here. A lot of our hotels um, limit their emissions. They erase their carbon footprint. They don't have a lot of um, plastics that they use. A lot of things are reusable. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely one of the easiest cities to not have a carbon footprint and to travel sustainably with that. And we have won awards for that. You're correct. We've also recently won awards, I know, for our um, brand new addition to our convention center, the Summit Building, which is this massive glass structured building that they put so much effort into making sustainable. 
They even recycle um, all of the waste from like cafeteria and the restaurants into compost that they use in their gardens to grow more food. That's really good. Okay, our guest tonight has been Corey O'Born of Visit Seattle. Thank you for being our guest on Travelage Radio. How do listeners learn more about 2023 All-Star Week and also the year-round attractions in Seattle? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So you can go to our website, visitseattle.org, and that's the best place to learn more about everything and plan the perfect vacation to Seattle. And that's it for this edition of Travelage Radio. Thank you very much for listening. Next time, we'll travel to Gettysburg and hear about the turning point in the Civil War from Carl Whitehill. Now, this is Dan Schlossberg along with Mary Ellen Nugent Lee saying thank you for your time this time. Until next time, good night and stay safe.